You know, I, I love our church, and quite frankly, I think we have a pretty good church. But we're not a perfect church. No church is. Some do, however, like to project the image of being a perfect church, one that has no problems and meets everyone's needs and expectations. And they try to convince people that if they'll just join their perfect church, they will discover the perfect Christian life. Problems will disappear, personal needs will be met, and life will be sweet. That sounds good. The perfect church, the perfect life, no problems, no needs, completely satisfied. But does anyone really believe that's possible? Does anyone really believe it exists? Well, apparently some do, because the Corinthians did. They thought they had arrived. They had succeeded as a church and in their quest for the good life. But Paul wasn't exactly thrilled by their illusion of success. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. He writes to them, You are already filled. You have already become rich. You have become kings without us. And I would indeed that you had become kings so that we might reign with you. They thought they had it made. They thought they had arrived. They were already filled. They were spiritually satisfied. They no longer were hungry for spiritual things, and, and they took that as a sign of success. After all, Jesus had said if we would hunger and thirst after righteousness, we'd be filled, and they were full. They had all they could hold. They knew all they needed to know. They had taken it all in, or so they thought. Paul's already pointed out there were some big problems in the church at Corinth. Maybe they didn't know everything they needed to know. Maybe there were still some things they hadn't understood or put into practice. Maybe they were just blind to their needs and their faults. Maybe they were just so undernourished that they didn't feel hungry anymore. They thought themselves rich. They had everything they wanted and thought they needed. They were satisfied spiritually and materially. They were blessed living the good life. And Paul had acknowledged in the first chapter that they were enriched in Christ, that they weren't lacking in any of the spiritual gifts but they weren't as rich as they thought. Something very important was missing from their life. They will discover what it is when they get to chapter 13, the love chapter. 
They thought they had it all and viewed themselves as kings. And their status in life had changed. They had been made kings with Christ and would one day reign with Him. But they didn't notice the problems in their little kingdom. Their church was fragmented and filled with rivalry over who was right, who was the most gifted, and who was king among kings. All they could see was what they saw as success. And they were proud of the fact that they had succeeded on their own. In fact, they had begun to really reign as kings after the apostles had left, when they were no longer under their thumb. They discovered they could do it themselves. They didn't need anyone else. They had everything they needed And now they were self-sufficient. They were a church that arrived. Successful Christians enjoying the abundant life. They were filled, rich, living like kings. They were enjoying God's finest, His richest blessings, living the way God intended His people to live, reaping the benefits of the good life they had been promised. Or had they? Were they? Paul says he wished it were really so, so he could reign with them. But they didn't have what they thought they had. What they thought to be signs of success were merely illusions of success. Because success in the kingdom didn't look anything like what they were experiencing in Corinth. Real success in the kingdom was evidenced by what could be seen in the lives of the apostles. Hmm, Let's read on. For I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all. As men condemned to death, because we become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and are poorly clothed and are roughly treated and are homeless. And we toil, working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world the dregs of all things, even until now. That's quite a contrast. A totally different picture of success. Instead of being viewed as kings, the apostles were looked upon as condemned captives. They were paraded in front of men and angels, the same way Romans 
marched their captives to the streets of Rome on the way to die in the arena. And the world didn't see them as wise, but as fools. The world wasn't impressed with their accomplishments. In fact, the world was laughing at them for believing in a resurrected Savior and basing their lives on Him and teaching others about Him and even insisting He was the only way to God. The Corinthians were prudent in Christ. They knew how to make Him look good to the world. They were clever. They'd found a way to be Christians and be respected by the world at the same time. The apostles hadn't caught on how to do this. Instead of being influential in the world, they were seen as nobodies. They didn't have any clout in the world. They weren't politically connected. But the Corinthians were a force to be reckoned with, real movers and shakers in society. They were really making their mark in the world. Or were they? They were distinguished pillars of the community while the apostles were hungry, thirsty, poorly clothed, roughly treated, and homeless. The apostles had to labor for their living, but the Corinthians lived like kings. Had they really found the secret to success? Had they been able to incorporate Christian principles into life in such a way that they could be rich and full and kings? Or had they merely been sucked back into the world? Had the Corinthians lost their distinction from the world? Was the only difference between them and those outside the church what they did on Sunday morning? Is that why they'd been accepted back into Corinthian society? They were just like everyone else? Had they stopped being the salt of the earth and light in the darkness? Were they any different than anyone else? Were their standards any higher than those around them? Were they living in a way that would even give them opportunities to show what it meant to be a Christian. You know, it was the apostles' rejection by society that gave them opportunities to demonstrate a new way of life, to exhibit the real fruit of spiritual success. Because they weren't like everyone else, they were often reviled. But that gave them an opportunity to bless those who reviled against them. Because they were different, they were persecuted, but that gave them the opportunity to endure, to be strengthened, to be matured in their faith. Because people didn't like them, they were slandered. But that gave them a chance to show forgiveness and to demonstrate how to go beyond petty differences of opinion. In fact, Paul says, we have become the scum of the world and the dregs 
of all things. We are at the bottom of the heap in society. But that's where we can minister. Where we can be servant to all. (laughs) And isn't that where our Lord found himself? And didn't he say that anyone who follows him will be viewed by society as he was? He was despised and rejected. And said if we were faithful to him, it would happen to us. So wouldn't rejection be more a sign of success in his eyes than would be acceptance? You know, if we think we've got it made, if we have no problems and everyone loves us, and we feel like we're on top of the world, maybe we better take another look. Our success may only be an illusion. The reality may be that we are failing miserably as a Christian. If Christ and the apostles didn't find worldly success, maybe we shouldn't find it either. And if we want real success, success in God's eyes... We need to follow the examples He has given us. 14 through 17. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. I exhort you, therefore, be imitators of me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Paul felt that the Corinthians had strayed from the life to which they had been called. And as their father in the faith, he called them to follow his example, to be like him. He acknowledged that the Corinthians may have had many tutors in Christ, many who loved them and cared for them and taught them, but they only had one father in the faith, and he was it. They were to therefore listen to him, to do what he did to be what he was. That sounds a bit ridiculous. You know, Paul had just said they viewed themselves, the apostles viewed themselves, as the scum of the earth. The Corinthians thought themselves kings. Still, he says, be what I am. Do what I do. He knew that There was something fundamentally wrong with their lifestyle in Christ. And so he set himself up as an example for them to follow. And notice he didn't say, do what I say, not what I do. 
He said, do what I do. Be what I am. Follow my example. In chapter 11, he will tell them, be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. I'll try to be what he was, and you try to be what I am. Wow. What a responsibility. What a challenge to us to live in such a way that we can tell our children in the faith, follow me, imitate me and my lifestyle as I imitate Christ. You see, we all need to have models, flesh and blood models to follow. It's not enough to tell someone to be like Jesus. We've got to show them how to be like Jesus. In fact, since Paul couldn't come immediately to the Corinthians, he was sending Timothy to model for them his way in Christ. He said, Timothy was a faithful child in the Lord and would lead them rightly. He would show them how to become servants again. And it was time for them to get back to that. It was time for the Corinthians to stop playing like kings, following worldly models, buying into the pictures of success. The world constantly flashes before our eyes. It was time for them to get back being servants doing what Christ had called them to do. And not just talking about it, doing it. That's the real test of success. Now, some have become arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills. And I shall find out. Not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Paul was determined to expose them for what they were. For their own sakes. He didn't want them deceiving themselves. They had become arrogant. They thought they were filled and rich and kings among men. Because of that, they had quit being servants. They were living in an illusionary world, blind to the struggles they had been called to deal with. And since they weren't struggling, they had assumed they had won. It was time to quit talking about a triumphant faith and start living it. It was time to acknowledge the struggles they and those around them were really facing. Living victoriously and powerfully in the midst of the struggles of life was the real test of success. Success that demonstrates the reality of one's faith and the power that comes from Christ. 
It's not the lack of problems and needs that mark a successful church, but how a church deals with those problems and needs. If everything is going smoothly in a church and everyone is happy and contented, we better take a good look at what that church is or is not doing because something is probably wrong. And if everything is going perfectly in your life, it may be because the enemy sees no need to oppose you. You're oblivious to the need of those around you. And you're doing nothing to advance the kingdom of God. Now, things didn't go smoothly for the Lord or the apostles, at least not for long. They, they may have had brief seasons when things went well, but those seasons didn't last. And things may actually be going well in a church. Right now, they seem to be going really well in our church. But we must never become arrogant and assume we've got it all figured out and nothing bad happen to us. You know, the enemy hasn't fallen asleep. He's just waiting for the opportune moment to strike. For as Peter said, your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And it's when we let our guard down and feel that we are immune to attack that we are most vulnerable. That doesn't mean we should live in fear or that we should intentionally stir things up just so we won't be lulled into thinking the battle is over. But let's not be appalled if problems arise in a church or in our personal lives because it's through opposition that we are able to give evidence of a truly successful Christian life. In Paul's absence, the Corinthians might be able to claim to be living victorious Christian lives. But if he came and discovered they were only kidding themselves, living the illusion of success because they weren't dealing with opposition, he would give them the opposition they needed to be brought back to reality. <laughs> if they would repent, however, and acknowledge their failure before he got there, he would come to them with a spirit of love, and gentleness, and he would help them face whatever hardships and sins and conflicts needed to be dealt with. I think there's a powerful message in this text. Powerful message, and one that's not heard very often. We all like to think positive things. Sometimes we can live in a land of illusion, thinking positive things. So we don't offer to anyone 
a perfect church. Nor do we guarantee anyone a charmed life in Christ. What we offer is a Savior who will go through life and all its problems with you. And I pray we offer a body of believers who want to be what Christ has called us to be and a body that's more concerned about pleasing Him than being viewed as successful by the world. Amen? We'd rather have Jesus than the illusion of success. And we encourage you and invite you to do the same.